Our Three Cents is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, please go to greenlitpodcasts.com. Welcome to another episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm joined, as always, by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Silica gel. Throw it away. Don't eat. And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. If only we had some way to defend ourselves against those nuts of his. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 favourite video games. Announcement! Announcement! Before we begin, let me guide you to some relevant things for you lovely people to enjoy. Firstly, we have a YouTube channel which we are populating with some cracking video content all the time. And I'm especially pleased to announce that the full run of my Super Mario Maker 2 Super World by Chris is the most recent edition. So you get to watch Chris battle his way through 30 (laughs) levels of my design within his allotment of 99 lives. It's a toughie. It's a great watch. (laughs) And you can also play along with him by using the Super World code on the video to access all of those levels yourselves. So... Do check it out. Let us know what you think of Chris's efforts. And also, if you have Super Mario Maker 2, please do check out the Super World and let us know how you get on with it as well. We'd love to hear about that. We also have a Patreon page for those of you who are hungrier for more content. Open up and head to patreon.com forward slash our three cents. And in exchange for a few of your pennies, we can offer you some excellent perks, such as exclusive bonus episodes, deleted scenes and outtakes, custom artwork, and even the chance to record an episode with us. Please do check that out. So before we crack on any further, it is time to revisit the quiz. And it's very exciting. Double pointer. It is a double pointer. We had a rollover from last week because both of you equally incorrectly guessed (laughs) the release date of the PlayStation. And so this question this week is worth a whopping two points. And with only two points separating you at the moment, it's Big shift time. It could be good. Big old sloppy shift. Okay. In the action RPG series Monster Hunter, what type of animal is the poogie that you affectionately keep as a pet and dress up in the latest fashions? Is it a dog? It is neither a cat or a dog. I will give you both one more guess and I will then decide whether or not to award it to the closest (laughs) or to roll it over for another week. One more guess each. Okay. A pig thing. Some some sort of bird. Correct answer is a pig. Oh! And the two points <laughs> wow. goes to Chris. Jump that gap up, yes. 36 to 32 is the score. Four Ooh, point lead. That's a buffer, uh... a proper buffer. I can sleep the next couple of weeks. It's fine. <laughs> So what have we been playing this last week? Following on from what Minty was talking about last week with the Isle of Armour DLC, I have also had a bit of a pokemon week. Oh. Firstly, I did check out the new free-to-play Pokemon Cafe Mix mobile game. Is it any good? Which is all right. It's, uh, it's a fairly sort of fun and satisfying mechanic, but also quite inaccurate which is quite frustrating when you sort of get it wrong and can't get it to do quite what you want to do. It's not like, you know, Pokemon Shuffle where you can sort of, you know, more definitively choose how you're playing it. And also there's the the danger danger for free-to-play games for me. But to be honest, I I kind of got a bit 
bit bored of it, so I've, I've sort of set it down, and I, I set it down before even finding out how the sort of the freemium side of it works at all. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's worth probably giving it a go because it is free, and there's quite a lot, you know, a good sort of hour or two's worth of play in there before you need to worry about paying anything. And if you like it, then you can crack on with it. But yeah, it was fine. It's fine. It's fine. But the Pokemon Isle of Armor DLC has been has been nice. I I mean, I, you know, it's nice to have some new content. I blasted through the all of it fairly sort of quickly. It's quite cool that the whole of the island is a wild area, which is is great. And I think that is cool. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think they're probably testing the waters to see if like the next game could be entirely in that format, which I think would also be great because you know it's really teeming with life and it's nice and alive with like environmental effects as well. And although I haven't said that, like just obviously having recently played through Zen Bay Chronicles. I definitely have a few thoughts for things that Pokemon could learn from how Monolith do stuff in that game. I cited it actually as a reference before Pokemon Sword and Shield came out that I think that it should be more like Xenoblade Chronicles where you've got really active wildlife and sort of sprawling environments and, and that sort of thing. And seeing as Monolith have obviously supported the development of Breath of the Wild and Animal Crossing, you know, I don't think it's out of the question for them to, to come and lend a hand on the development of the next mainline Pokemon game, which I think would be a fantastic thing. So I've got, I've got high hopes for whatever they do next. But yeah, like, like you, Minty, I thought, I mean, you know, the story is, is, is fine. It's, you know, obviously it's a bit short. I didn't really care that much about the new the new Kung Fu Bear Pokemon. Mm. And also because, like, I've amassed this complete collection of Pokemon over the last however many years that is all sat perfectly contained in my Pokemon home, the fact that there's new Pokemon that have returned in this DLC means absolutely nothing to me because <laughs> I've got them all. But it's nice to see some, you know, old favourites roaming the wilds and stuff. But the best thing in this DLC, which for me is genuinely worth the price alone, and I'm surprised you didn't mention it, Minty, when you spoke about it last week, is there's a bloke on the island who has lost all of his Alolan Diglets on the oh, Isle of Arna. yes, yes. <laughs> and you basically need to find all of his Diglets for him. And if you look carefully enough all over the island, you can see the three little tufts of hair poking above the ground to signify that there's a Diglet hidden there. And there's 150 of them scattered <laughs> around the island. And it's just really fun to try and find them. Yeah. Like, yeah, quite helpfully, when, when you find one, it will tell you how many are left in that particular area. So you can get a sense of, of where to look for them rather than going on a, a wild Zangoose chase. <laughs> and for every few Diglett you find, the, the, the Diglett man gives you an alternate form of a Pokemon that previously you could only find the Galarian form of. So you get like, there's like an Alolan Vulpix and Sandshrew and available. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what I get for finding all 150, probably just an Alolan Diglett, but <laughs> it's, it's really fun. And yeah, it's really, really, uh, it's a really nice addition and um, certainly something I would happily see more of. The other thing I played this week is, well, I've sort of, I've, I've, I've rediscovered my first person shooter, console woes in fact that <laughs> like i've said before i've never been able to get used to playing first person shooters on console controllers with the dual stick setup for me like i can only play those games effectively with a mouse and keyboard and no matter how long i play a game for like i've, I've completed full first person shooter games on consoles and it still hasn't really clicked and this week i played well i gave duke nukem 3d a go because that that was ported and released on the eShop and got that for like three quid or something 
and I'd never, I've never actually played the game, uh, much like the original Doom. I sort of thought, oh, you know, I, I knew enough about it and seen enough footage of it being played that I thought I probably should give that a go. And and it's it's fun, but also it's just it's clunky. I can't, I just can't do it. But the the real thing that really kind of brought me some some disappointment was that I broke into the Bioshock collection on the Switch and yeah, playing the first game for a couple of hours, and I just I just can't get used to controlling it like it. It's a real shame because I was really looking forward to playing through all three games again, especially on a handheld and having it sort of, you know, in, in that new format would be really nice. But it's, it's not fun. It's constantly frustrating. And I realised I've got the remastered versions of Bioshock 1 and 2 and Bioshock Infinite on Steam. So I've installed them on my computer and I've started playing through Bioshock Remastered on the Mac. So um, I'm determined to play through it because I've, I've never played through the first two games fully. So, uh, yeah, I am going to continue continue with that and, and determine to enjoy them for god's sake god darn sake <laughs> how about you guys chris what have you played this week i've spent a little bit of time this week with a very old game like i, I was fortunate enough with with the rules changing recently to have a socially distanced to get together with my brother oh, lovely. which is the first time we've seen each other properly for for more than like a patio barbecue for for months and months so naturally we commemorated this occasion by playing or, or rather me watching him play Steven Gerrard's Total Soccer on the Game Boy Advance. Oh wow. <laughs> now before I move on just because I, this is important I must stress this was blown up on a very big screen via emulation and we sat on opposite sides of a well-ventilated room because nice. I don't think given the current situation that it's that wise to be leaning over someone's shoulder and puffing down their neck because they play a handheld game <laughs> that's probably not the best probably practice. Not. Outside of lockdown go, go nuts <laughs> you know do, do it on the tube do it on a bus but uh, certainly at the moment give it Give, give it a rest for now <laughs> so we played this together Tom owned this cartridge as a kid so he's got this this really fond memory of Total Soccer on the Game Boy as a kid and it's fair to say he was very very good at it like Tom doesn't play a lot of games but he is a very big fan of very specific football games and this was one of them and it's it's basically it's an arcadey football game closest to something like Sensible Soccer if you ever played that on any mm. old home computers so it means it's about outrageous speed and after touch and passes and shots and everything else and when he was young Tom was so good at this game that he would challenge himself to play a season of the Premier League without losing a game and then when he felt that was too easy he would say okay I'll, I'll not lose a game and I also won't concede a goal <laughs> and then after that he'd say okay I won't lose a game I won't concede a goal and I have to score at least five goals or ten goals or fifteen goals a game yeah so he, he pushed it as far as he possibly could so he, he came around the other day we put it on just for something to do and after giving him a few individual challenges I said to him okay can you score with every outfield player and he did that on first time of asking brilliant I said can you can you score with a reverse team so you've got you know given the time David Seaman's up front uh, Thierry Henry's in goal uh, and Tom still won like 13-0 or something so that, that was hell. easy and I was like okay excellent. instead let's see how many goals you can theoretically score in, in one match and and he sat and he was like, I reckon 20 is about the limit. Like the amount of time it takes to kind of like regroup every time and get the ball back and whatever, about 20. So he started playing and then he found that he could just keep pushing this limit higher and higher. <laughs> so he, he, he basically mastered like almost speed run style that you can dispossess the team from kickoff, send like a lofted pass over the defence, pick it up as your striker and then just curve an effort past the keeper pretty consistently. And he managed to get this series of events down to like three or four in-game minutes, meaning that by the end of our session, he'd managed to win a single game uh, against Fulham as Arsenal 27-0. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, Tom, Tom is convinced he can take this further. He thinks 28 could be possible with slight optimization. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, 
at, at the time we played it for probably three hours grinding away and he decided okay now's you know it's time to have a rest <laughs> i mean i can comfortably say that in 2020 the, the year of our lord no one in the globe has played total soccer longer than tom has <laughs> like, there just isn't there isn't any way that anyone has picked this up during during this time yeah so yeah well done uh, and maybe i can let you know in a few weeks if i see him again that uh, we hit the magic 28 fantastic that's brilliant how about you, Minty? What have you been playing this week? Oh, you know me. <laughs> Doom 64? Doom 64, yes. Ah! I'm just chugging along with it, to be honest. I've not really made any many mad, crazy plays or purchases as of late. Just waiting on Paper Mario's coming out and... Papier. Still waiting on Bravely Default 2. Ah, those yes. Are the, those are the two games that I'm looking forward to at the moment. So I'm just sort of pottering around, enjoying my life. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm glad. Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's good to hear. Plus, I, I just can't get a chance to play because my wife is um, constantly on Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. She's enjoying it and I'm enjoying her enjoy it. It's great to see. Good. That's good. I'm not sure what the next sort of game coming out is that I'm looking forward to. I do plan to start the last of us so i can then play the last of us 2 yeah i'm gonna do that in the next in the next week cyberpunk 2077 i'm really looking forward to but that's now been pushed back to november obviously there's tony hawk's pro skater oh, uh, yeah. remakes yeah. coming but that's not until what september something like that it's a few months yeah there's the wonderful 101 which is coming out on physical release yeah which i should be getting my switch my switch copy of possibly next week actually Oh, one of the other things I saw is that because there's the remastered version of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles coming out in August. Oh, that was the GameCube one, wasn't it? Crystal Chronicles. Yeah. And I saw that there's going to be like a free a free to play version of it, which gives you access to like the first three missions. And then if you have that, you can jump in and play co-op with somebody who has the full game. And which I think is really, really cool because it means hmm. that only if like say the three of us wanted to play it, only one of us would actually have to own it to then play co-op. Apparently it's cross-platform as well, so it'll work on playing on PS4, and I think it's it's getting a mobile release as well, which is nuts. Oh, wow. I'm quite interested to see how that pans out, because I, I did enjoy playing a, a brief bit of that in co-op when I was a kid on the GameCube, so um, yeah, keep, keep an eye on that. I'm certainly going to give it a go. Shall we move on to the rankings? Go on, then. Yeah. Starting this week, we have my game. Jonathan oh. A. Dunn. Do you want to know what my 30-second favourite video game is of all time? I do. I'd love to. Thanks for asking. Well, my game has actually already appeared on one of our lists. <gasps> and Chris said of it a few weeks back oh. that its sequel improved upon it in nearly every way. But that doesn't stop the original Super Mario Maker on the Wii U oh. being an absolutely amazing toolkit hey. and all-round video game experience. It's Great. brilliant. Now, I've spent a lot of hours in the recent months on Super Mario Maker 2, creating my super world, which, as I said at the top of the episode, you can see Chris play through on YouTube now. Convenient timing. <laughs> masterfully engineered by myself. <laughs> you old dog. And so a lot of the features in Super Mario Maker 2 have sort of merged with what was available in the original game in my mind in my memory and my thoughts of the original game are bolstered by my experience of the second one even though it came out after we finalized our lists but to be honest like i loved them both for the same reason and got essentially the same experience out of them but mario maker 2 just gave me more options in in all honesty i think that had Mario Maker 2 come out before we did the lists, I think this is where it would have ended up in my list anyway. Yeah. So I think it's okay to talk about them both a bit through some blurred edges between them. 
Now, me and Chris have mentioned before that we grew up making our own games, predominantly using programs called Click and Play and Games Factory. And the Games Factory genuinely changed my life. <laughs> like, it not only allowed me a creative outlet for a whole side of my brain that I didn't know existed, it allowed me to forge a, a deeper friendship with you, Chris. And yeah. it, it changed the way that I thought about games, how I played them, how I thought about their designs. And I really enjoyed watching people play through my games. It was a good litmus test for their quality and their stability. The, the games, that is, not the people. <laughs> and it was actually the seed of a process that I would go on to build a career around as a, as a film editor. Now, one of the things that struck me very early on when making those games was that I could get it wrong and I could make something that didn't work. And, you know, all the time leading up to that before, when I was playing a game, if I couldn't do something... I knew that I was doing something wrong and that there had to be a way of getting past that bit that, you know, that I was struggling with. But now, if I was struggling to get past a bit that I'd made, there was no guarantee that it was even possible. And I had to explore the relationship between those things when, when making something so that it would be a challenge, but not unfair. But <laughs> yeah. in reality, back in those days, how can I make something that I can complete that will really annoy my friends trying to beat you know, that was kind of the central <laughs> enjoyment of what I was trying to do. And also the central enjoyment of what Mario Maker offered. How can I make something that I can beat that I know my friends will just get so angry trying to beat? Like you could make a level that you could get your friends to try and, and, and you could be as dastardly as you wanted in making something so seemingly unfair that they would tear their hair out over and over again, just trying so hard to get past. But whilst that was where the enjoyment started... <laughs> as you'll probably remember both of you from playing some of my early levels. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's not how it ended up panning out the more levels I made. Like, I started to approach things differently, and I wanted to make levels that, that were that were still challenging, but were fun, first and foremost. But if the player failed, you know, it was through their own fault, not a fault in, in the level, or, you know, a fault in my design. And something you said about the game, Chris, that, that really resonated with me is that every level you make... It does make you a better designer. Yeah. And I experienced that massively with making my super world in Mario Maker 2. There were only like a couple of levels that I didn't need to go back and refine after having finished making them for a first time. Because in making more, you get a sense of what works better and, and you know, what's more fun to play. And the amazing toolkit that Nintendo gave us with Super Mario Maker allowed you to explore this. But also, and it's something Chris alluded to when he spoke about the games the more valuable tool that Nintendo gave us in creating the best levels we could was the education that they gave us through the entire Mario series to date. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And because of the codes and conventions that they established in the original Super Mario Brothers and continued to stretch and evolve over the next, you know, however many decades, there was almost hardwired into your brain the way to create a good level. You knew that you needed to put a mushroom near the start to give players a free hit. You need to position enemies in certain patterns, how to place coins in certain places to guide the player, what combination of enemies work best with what environment. Like Chris said, it was an incredibly humbling experience that Nintendo kind of passed the keys over to us after after so many years and said, you know, go, go and have fun with it. Before Mario Maker, I'd had one other experience with the sort of make-your-own-game that Nintendo released, and I think I touched upon it briefly when I spoke about WarioWare as my 76th favourite video did, game of yeah, all time, because yeah. Nintendo released WarioWare DIY, a game that allowed you to create your own micro-minigames in the WarioWare formula. But the, the trouble with that was that because the games or the little mini games were so utterly absurd and diverse, there wasn't the same set formula that we were so familiar with to, to create our own ideas in their shadow. 
And as Oscar Wilde once said, there is nothing so equally exciting and terrifying as a blank page. And the blank canvas that WarioWare offered you was was too intimidating. I think there, there was too many things you could do. Like I, I think I created one mini game on it and, and that was based around voting in a general election because yeah. uh, my friend had challenged me to make it uh, whilst I was on the train going from Cardiff back to Broadstairs to vote in a general election and then return straight away to, to again to Wales to watch the results and, and having those guidelines having those instructions that made it okay and I and I had the headspace you know to do that but to dive into like a fresh creation was just too overwhelming and that was it was actually the issue I had with Super Mario Maker 2 when I first got it there were, there were just so many elements at your disposal that it was it was difficult to know where to begin. So I found myself not beginning at all. And this was where Mario Maker 1 was, was beautifully balanced. And where WarioWare DIY failed, it wasn't the same case as Mario Maker because even though opening up an empty level was a bit intimidating, it wasn't entirely blank because you had the blueprints for a Mario level in, in your head from playing a thousand of them before. And you knew roughly how to start a level. It was easy to place some blocks, some coins, and some enemies. And the way the touchscreen worked on the Wii U gamepad was was so intuitive that it was also so easy to make changes and, and, and adapt your levels as you made them. Whereas one of the things that was also frustrating when making games on the Games Factory and stuff is if you noticed a little thing you needed to tweak, quite often you ended up needing to delete a whole, like half of a game to make a change because it was so deeply ingrained in, in how, it, how it affected everything else. And, and likewise with WarioWare DIY, if a little element you thought of didn't work, you usually had to go back and start all over again. But having that malleability in your designs in Mario Maker was just, it made you unafraid to make mistakes. And that was really, really important. I mean, it's just a very important thing just in the creative process itself. And I was I was really thrilled that I was able to revisit Mario Maker 2 eventually. But it was only when lockdown hit and I had sufficient headspace to take it all in that I was able to then get the most out of it. But the way that Nintendo introduced us into the world of Super Mario Maker with, with that first game was, was great. You know, it made it really easy to make levels and it was so easy to share levels with your friends. We touched upon it when Chris spoke about the game, but we had a great little Mario Maker community on Facebook, which is how the two of you met, Chris and Minty. And it was just a, a lovely creative time to be alive I can't remember Chris did you compare it to what it was like when Pokemon Go was launched uh, I don't think I did actually but I know what you mean yeah it must have been something we, we've spoken about in person because it was just this lovely kind period of, of reckless abandon and, and shared enjoyment in video games it was just so joyous I really wish that I could remember the levels that I made on the original Super Mario Maker, but I really can't. I can't. I can't remember any of them. <laughs> but I, I do take comfort in the fact that my levels are floating around the the course world or, or the Miiverse or however the original game worked. And I have been tempted to buy the 3DS version of Mario Maker because I know that even though it works slightly differently in terms of design, I'm pretty sure you can still access and play levels that were uploaded from the Wii U version. Yes, I, from memory, it's like you can, I think you can pull them down to play, but the way you upload is different or you... Yeah. I, I can't remember. There's, there's like a big caveat to that release, but it is worth playing because it does have like a big chunk of curated Nintendo levels as well. Uh, so it's it's different, but if you see it cheap, I think it's worth having in your collection just because it's like another Mario game that just happens to be there. I think I will look into getting that because it would be, I mean, it'd be great to play that that curated content, but also then to see if, if my old levels are, <laughs> are still floating about and then see if I can I can hunt them down and see, see what the hell I did. I'll end on, on this thought and 
it comes down to how I'd classify this game. Like, because it's it's a creation game, it's it's a platforming game, it's a social game, it, it sort of sits in its own genre, but I think at, at its heart, Mario Maker is actually a puzzle game, but the puzzle is your own creativity, and you set the difficulty of the puzzles with your own imagination, and it, it challenges you on, on a much deeper creative level. Like The, the core of, of most of the levels I've made have been an absurd idea. I want to do something with this mechanic, you know, this type of block, this power-up, this general concept, this theme. And then the puzzle, the challenge, is working backwards from that desired outcome to figure out how to make that a reality and how to make that work. And it might be the case that I've come up with something that's impossible to make, but then how do I come up with something that gives the same experience that allows the player to use the same thought process that I wanted to create, you know, to beat it. It's just, it's endlessly challenging. And, and the longevity of the game is, is whatever you make it. I really enjoyed taking breaks from making levels and exploring the course world, obviously wading through some total rupture levels that were badly designed to Ross. But, <laughs> but there was always a wealth of incredible creative ideas that, that showed you new ways of using certain elements that you hadn't thought of before that would then spark up whole new ideas of, of your own to, to factor into your own levels. And as a creative person, like, I mean, I can't really create anything outside of a digital environment. I've, I've always been too afraid to, to do anything physically creative because there isn't an undo button or a save button. And this game gave me everything I could want from an interactive designing experience. And, and the way that Nintendo built on the original game of Super Mario Maker 2 is, is so wonderfully humbling and I'm just so grateful for what they've given us in this game. I don't know if I'll ever have the time and focus to return to making full games of my own in like Click Team Fusion or or Dreams on the on the PS4. But you know, I, I find that I've always got some new ideas for Mario levels cooking away in the back of my mind, and Nintendo have just been so generous in giving us this game that allows me to see those ideas to fruition and to creatively satisfy me. I love Nintendo, and <laughs> if you've got Super Mario Maker 2, please do check out our YouTube channel, and if you can give my Super World a go and, and let me know what you think of uh, of what I've made of it, but there's so much of it that could have gone wrong in how it works, but Nintendo has taken the time to not only, like I said, hand over the keys to the kingdom, but then also, also allow us to actually use it in such a free and fulfilling way and yeah, all in all it's just a phenomenal package and, and just an amazing landmark in video game history. It's an astounding piece of software you just said there like that you love nintendo and i think what the mario maker series does is shows that nintendo loves its fans and players just just as much Mm. because there's been loads of games like on the pc especially that might have steam workshop support like it kind of like you know a semi-official way of allowing mods and modifications Mm. but there's very few games that are as expansive and as open and yet are just console experiences that you just buy on a cartridge or a disc and, and that's that's the tools there. Yeah. And yeah, Mario Maker is is just it's something else. Uh, like you say, it almost defies classification because it's it's a platform game, but it's it's way more than just a platform game. That's that's a very small like kernel of the whole experience. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it is. It's it's a it's a creative process and it's about community and it's about developing things like for yourself as well as for for others around you and it's just yeah it's it's an amazing thing and i've really really enjoyed playing through your levels and and seeing like the small tweaks and modifications and seeing how you're like improving as a kind of designer as you go it's just great it's it's fantastic I, i can't say enough positive stuff about it yeah yeah so there we go 
moving on, we have Minty's game. Minty. Minty, can you please tell us what your 32nd favourite video game of all time is? I can, yes, yes. Back at it again with the the Game Boy Advance. Ah, yes. Plucky little system that was advertised by a guy not using a urinal. (laughs) Uh, what? (laughs) Do you remember that advert? Uh, not no. yet. I mean, give, no. give us some more context. <laughs> okay, so imagine you're a fella holding the Game Boy Advance and he's just doing things that you would normally do, but instead of using his hands to do them, he's just playing the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> so he just stands at a urinal playing like Mario Advance. Pissing freely. Not even just that, he just stand there like a facsimile of urination, give a shake and then walk away. Yeah. Gaming 24-7. Bloody hell. Yeah, there you go. Share that on the group. So what we've learnt here is I'm extremely susceptible to marketing. (laughs) He says, drinking his Pepsi. Deliciously refreshing. (laughs) For the entirety of my time owning a Game Boy Advance, I didn't urinate once. (laughs) I don't don't really know what else to say about this game that I haven't said about pretty much every other game that's been in this series in my list previously. It's a Zelda game. It's the Minish Cap. Oh, what a great game that is. What a superb game. Easily one of the best on the Game Boy Advance. Easily one of the best Zeldas overall. The thing that I love most about it is by the time that the Minish Cap had been made, Nintendo had a lot of different assets, a lot of different uh, characters to put in the game. So you just have all of these different people from like Ocarina of Time, from Wind Waker. It just had all these people sort of just clumped together in this one game. All of your favourites, all the people that you love to see. Beadle was there. You had uh, the Scrubs, the Carpenters. Dr. Right was in it, but he was called Dr. Left. (laughs) But it was just really nice to see all of these old characters returning in a completely new setting. My favourite in particular was Stamp the Postman. Um... I don't think he was actually from a, a game, but I just you just sort of see him beavering away stamping postcards and letters and he's like please don't disturb me i'm working hard stamp 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 Mm -hmm. charming charming realization of um of blocky polygonal characters in very cutesy very bright very fresh aesthetic yeah really really great your your helper in this game if you don't know um is a hat yeah yeah very talkative chatty hats chatty hattie yeah for me elzo is one of the finest companions in any Zelda game, in any Nintendo game, because uh, he just had a little bit of character to him. Like he was, he was, a, he was a, he was a grumpy old hat. Mm-hmm. So he had the face of a bird, which is always a plus. And whenever he sort of interrupted, it was always through the lens of somebody who was just entertaining, and you'd like to to hear talk instead of like just like listen, hey, listen. So yeah, the importance of a well-written character is seen most prominently here. Mm. Another thing that really sealed the deal for me, and seals the deal in any game, is the collection side of things. Oh yeah, I love a collection. Oh, we love them. We love to see them. <laughs> we really um, do. Brought back the figurines that first made their appearance in the Wind Waker, and you could gamble. I think it was seashells, and you'd get a figurine. You might get a repeat. But it was much like the gacha machine in Super Smash Brothers Melee. So there's about 136, and by gum, I got them all. The thing I love most about this particular figurine collection mechanic was you get the figurine and you get a little bit of flavor text as well. That's the dream. A little bit of flavor text. <laughs> yeah. I want to be a writer of flavor text. Mm, yeah. If, if I could be a copywriter in anything, 
I want to be the type of person that says, okay, there's 18,000 items knocking around this Elder Scrolls game. Just write a little story about them for the menu. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be, be so much fun because you're, you're in charge <laughs> of like just giving, well, it's flavor, isn't it? That's the whole point. But you're, you're giving just wider context to stuff. I, I, it would be amazing. Dream job. Mm. For example, the puff stool mm. appears in the Deepwood Shrine. These mushroom beasties scatter spores all over dungeons. When their caps are red, they are invincible. It's not not any flavour text. Little tips as well. You love to see it. Yeah, like I said, it's a Zelda game. I don't quite know what else to say about it. You're you're a little lad, little little lad in green, trying to save the world from a great evil. In this game, the great evil is Varty. Ah, yes. I don't know how many games he appears in, but he's just a little wizard, isn't he? Little, little wizard with a fringe. <laughs> Short Ganondorf, basically. But he had more of a, a cocksure arrogance to him rather than a... Just a sheer malevolence born from the curse of an ancient demon. He was just, yeah, he just knew what he wanted and knew how to get it. Good villain. Great game. Great game. Oh, and the Kinstones. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> the, the Kinstones, Kinstones were fantastic. A fantastic mechanic. Really, really good. Yeah. Little optional things that you can do to unlock new little secret areas. But at the same time, you're helping people and making friends. What a lovely sentiment. Yeah, it's great. The broad overview of Kinstones. It's like finding like half of a locket mm. and somewhere else in the world is somebody with the other half of that. And so you need to find one half of a Kinstone and then find the matching person. And yeah, like you said, it brings, it deepens friendships and relationships with these side characters whilst also rewarding you with a little bonus as well. It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely perfect little mechanic. Loved it. Yeah. I can't remember if it was a Kinstone fusion or just a little bit that I missed, but what I like to do is I like to beat a game and then read like a, a walkthrough to see what I missed. Mm. And there's a time-sensitive um, little side quest that you can't do after you beat, I think it's the fifth dungeon. Mm. There's, a, there's a man from the Wind Tribe who's haunted by a ghost. Ooh. Ghost! If you beat the fifth dungeon before you save him from this ghost. He just dies. Dear. You need to do a kinstone fusion to unlock a teleporter that will take you into his bedroom and then suck up the ghost in your gust jar and then he'll give you uh, super powerful arrows, which I didn't realise until the end, until I beat the game. Nice. And by that time, I'd already beaten the game. and I was like, well, I'm not going to do it again just for that. But I might do because it's very fun and I still have my 3DS. Yeah. Yeah, I've played through it a few times. I remember the first time I played through it was when me and my friend Brent, when I was growing up, we decided to pull an all-nighter and try and complete as many Zelda games as possible. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> no, did you do? I think we did four. We did um, Ocarina of Time Master Quest, and we did it 100% without dying, which was quite incredible. <laughs> Ooh, that is an achievement. We did a speed run through Wind Waker, when we take it in turn so while one of us was doing that one of us would then be doing like a handheld one and i did links i think i we did links awakening and the minish cap and the, playing through the minish cap like that was the first time i played through the game and uh, then i played through it again when it came out on the nintendo ambassadors program for 3ds yeah and yeah it, it's a fantastic game i love the sense of scale because not only do you get to shrink down and be little there are also some like supersized giant bosses and enemies and stuff like that so when you come across when you're little and you come across like a normal sized choo-choo it's enormous and mm. it's a boss and yeah it's it's just it's great it's really nice it's got a great art style to it that's based on the sort of cartoony style of the wind waker but it's on game boy advance and that's lovely and it was developed by capcom yeah i think was it, it after, was. The, after they did 
Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, and it's got the same the same level of quality that that those games did as well, uh, which are also phenomenal. Mm. Great game, great game. Lastly, but not leastly, we have Christopher Dow. Chris, can you please tell us about your thirty two favorite video game? What is left to even say about Mario Kart 8 DX that hasn't been covered by you two? Oh, there we go. Essentially, this makes this the third R3 Sense approved game on our collective lists. Yeah. After Fantasy Life and Worms Armageddon. Yeah. So Mario Kart 8 slash DX, because they're basically the same game. But also, what else is there to say, considering you, Jonathan, have gone into vivid detail, like historical detail, <laughs> on Super Circuit and Mario Kart DS as well? Like, you, between the two of you, you've taken down an awful lot of what Mario Kart is and why it's so good. So th- this is going to be a slightly different entry. When I first put Mario Kart 8 into my Wii U, I smiled when I was met with the trademark sort of title screen theme going, <laughs> and then immediately blown away by a slap bass break that is no more than like a few seconds in length, yeah. but it goes it goes harder than any other track in almost any other game <laughs> for just like for just like two and a half seconds. Like I, I was a gawp, <laughs> my mouth was open. <laughs> Mario Kart is is the best kart racing series, just hands down. And uh, Mario Kart 8 and its DX re-release on the Switch are the best version of the Mario Kart formula, and and that's it really, isn't it? Like that, it is just very, very good. Yeah. I mean, in modern games, you've got things like Crash Team Racing got its its recent kind of re-release, uh, the Nitro Fueled Edition. Yeah. And it was good fun, and it looked really good on the PS4 Pro, like it was you know high resolution, all the textures are shiny, and there's there's lights going off here, there, and everywhere. And yet it still didn't look as good as Mario Kart 8, which is now a last-gen game. Mm. The Sonic Racing series, like Team Sonic Racing, the most recent one, and uh, Sonic Racing Transformed before it, has long included like great remixes of tracks from from the games it represents. And yet that small bass break is it puts the whole playlist to shame. <laughs> and and going forward, like the the orchestral arrangements, like the full band arrangements for everything in Mario Kart 8 is just I think some of the best sound work on any modern game I've, I've ever seen. Yeah. The track design throughout the whole game is just flawless throughout. And it mixes really well, like exhilarating tracks that are new to this game. So things like Mount Wario, Bowser's Castle, Sunshine Airport, they're all brilliant. But it includes remix versions, obviously, of old favourites, like it has done for a few a few entries now, like Mario Circuit, DK Jungle, TikTok Clock. They all improve upon their original iterations in every conceivable way. They're, they're tarted up in, in such a, a beautiful way that they they just fit alongside these other tracks brilliantly. And most importantly, like the movement and handling in this game is as Mario Odyssey is to 3D platforming, I think. like It's polished and it's playtested to the point that within a few races, you can predict exactly how your vehicle is going to perform on every corner and over every terrain. It's just such an intuitive driving model. It's it's just great fun to use. And like I said, you, you have talked about this game the two of you have talked about this game properly so what i did instead of trying to like flesh this out with with waffly stuff i just made a bullet point list of stuff that <laughs> i enjoyed in mario kart 8 it's by no means exhaustive I'm, I'm sure there's many other things i've forgotten but all these things were just like sitting down for half an hour and, and reminding myself of the of the fun i had all these memories popped up so in no order and and like i said not an exhaustive list i put down that i enjoyed perfecting the final corner cutting shortcut in sunshine airport hmm. that lets you skim through the baggage return to save like a few milliseconds before the finish line yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i enjoyed seeing both villager and isabel from animal crossing make one of their first cross franchise debuts as racers i enjoyed in the dx version pulling off my first level three mini turbo on one of the huge turns in mario kart stadium hmm. with the pink boost I've really enjoyed hearing the Mario Kart sound team's treatment of the F-Zero 
stages. Yeah. Because they took like the screaming guitar of F-Zero of X and replaced it with roaring saxophone. Yeah. It's just really, really nice. I still remember the first time I managed to evade a blue shell by executing like a near frame perfect mushroom boost away. Yeah. Playing Baby Park on 200cc and basically being able to drift oh. the entire seven lap race. Uh, <laughs> just insane. So uh, good. I, I remember being able to select the Mercedes-Benz car parts in DX after being utterly convinced the license would have expired yeah. and just thinking I was so glad it was still here like on this complete cartridge. I loved seeing the Excite Bike track remix itself subtly on each subsequent race. I really loved the HD rumble, subtly sort of communicating your engine revs and, and the impacts of, of your car against other stuff. But most incredibly, how it somehow manages to convey the sound of coin collection perfectly through the rumble. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that's one of the most impressive pits of tech on the Switch <laughs> like since launch. One of the things I remember it did that really smacked my god was when you go when you go underwater, it felt like you were putting your Switch in a bath. Yeah. It's I don't know how they do it or what it does. <laughs> It's, it's mad so good some of the other ones that like, I really enjoyed the first time I took off into the sky on Cloudtop Cruise and then slaloming through the turbo boosts with the lightning strikes oh yeah I, I loved seeing like some of my favourite tracks from the 3DS like Melody Motorway suddenly appear in full HD like sparkling resolution yeah oh like oh what's the one the um is it Moo Moo Farm yeah from the Wii originally such an ugly looking yeah. track on the Wii <laughs> it's one of the most beautiful looking things I've ever seen it's the light it's it's just bucolic it's it's beautiful yeah i have this vivid memory of playing a four-player race on wario's goldmine which is one of my favorite tracks i really like that stage That's a great track yeah and seeing my friend kate drop to last place and then just chanting under a breath i want to die like softly and rhythmically <laughs> 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 I remember the, the first time I, I pulled off the waterfall shortcut on Yoshi Circuit using a mini turbo and not having to resort to a mushroom boost. Oh, nice. Didn't know that was even possible. It, I think you have to be on 200cc, but it, it, it still yeah. felt great. And, and lastly on this list, seeing tracks from the GBA like Cheeseland suddenly come alive yeah. in 3D and being able to pull off sweet boost jumps off the little like dairy divots yeah it is an endless chest of riches it's something else ribbon road as well was from the oh, game yeah. advance, wasn't it yeah stunning reimagining absolutely yeah. stunning i mean as as a last sentence here i i do not see how this genre can be bettered yeah and and we've talked about Super Crash exactly we've talked about that as <laughs> the, the only, the only logical way to take this forward but even then, I can't see how the core can be any different than Mario Kart 8. Yeah. Because it, it has refined every single thing that any kart game has, has introduced in the last 30 years. And it, it's still fun. As, as fun as it was the day I got it on the Wii U. Yeah. Yeah, a stunning achievement, both technologically and just for something to enjoy and play. It's, it's unmatched, really. Yeah. There have been some very, very quiet rumblings of potential further DLC for it. I'd, I'd go for I that. I don't think it's true, but I'd happily buy another expansion pass yeah, for easily, sure. easily. So there we have it. Another three games from us three gents. First of all, we had Super Mario Maker before... The Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap. And then finally... The wonderful Mario Kart 8 DX. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share the podcast on social media, send a tweet out about it, pop it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, tell a friend, tell a loved one, tell a neighbour. You can reach out to us if you like. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash our three cents. You can find us there, like the page, share the page, 
Chat to us on there, take us to task on our opinions on these games, tell us what you're playing. Or you can reach out to us individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. And I'm Clement underscore Boo. And please do check out our YouTube channel. Like I said, that Super Mario Maker playthrough is on there and is a great watch. So please do check that out. Subscribe to the channel. And if you are suitably inclined, please do check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash hour three cents and, and pledge a few pennies our way and get a whole host of amazing content content and please do join us next time for our 31st favorite video games of all time i'm 31 yes hey folks it's asif khan ceo and editor-in-chief over at shacknews.com give a listen to our nine to five elon podcast about tesla and electric vehicles and all sorts of cool stuff over there on the greenlit podcast network Video Death Loop is a podcast where we watch a short video clip on loop until we just can't take it anymore. Along the way, we'll try our best to make each other laugh and to hold out longer than the other guy. You can jump in on any episode, no need to worry about continuity. Check out Video Death Loop on the Greenlit Podcast Network with new episodes every Friday.